Welcome to See Our Studies. Join us each week as we take a deep dive into the Word of God, start a conversation, and discuss how it applies to our lives today. Hey, Crossroads family. Uh, we're excited to be hanging out with you on our first ever, well, it's not our first podcast. We've done podcasts. It's true. Up. Depends sermons. on who you ask. That's true. Because also. it does depend on who you ask. <laughs> We have put sermons online, but this is the first time that we've got like a podcast format where we're having a conversation. So, which speaking of conversations, we've had some really interesting ones around the office this week, and it's only Tuesday. Yesterday, we discussed whether or not if Cooper Rush was a part of our church, would he be the best quarterback at Crossroads? He would. There's no doubt. He, that guy is top five quarterback in the Metroplex for sure. I'm no. just going to say, yesterday you said number two. that he was yeah. number two, and yeah, today but, he's top five. Well, because it's Which un- means Jason Collins might be top five. It's, undeba- it's not debatable that he's top five in the Metroplex. He's not the number two quarterback on the Cowboys, much less... Crossroads, because I can tell you at least two people who have a better arm than Cooper Rush at this church. He could roll up into TCU I want to know who they are. <laughs> and gain the starting spot yesterday. Like, <laughs> me me, and who? Oh, uh, yeah. You twice, Wes. Okay. That's it. That's it. Wow. Um, this morning, that. someone uh, tried to challenge me if they, they thought it was to be gross if they told me that there was a Chick-fil-A sandwich that had uh, pimento cheese on the chicken. Pimento cheese... <laughs> Is that's confusing? Is not for me. No, that's oh, what I'll say. Pimento cheese is it's not for me. I, I'll say this: I agree with your your take on the uh, Popeyes chicken sandwich. I don't know if we've ever had that conversation, but I love the spicy chicken sandwich at Popeyes. Yeah, it's fire. Now that's a throwback to uh, last Sunday's uh, sermon. But if you were here for it, yeah. Oh, it's good. We had the Popeyes chicken sandwich discussion, um, and it is very good. Oh, it's very it's strong. Good. There's yeah. there's really not a discussion. Like, it's Popeye's chicken sandwich above Chick-fil-A. You think so? Yeah. Wow. Like a clear winner. No question. Wow. Dang. You've heard it here But first. nobody goes to Popeye's. That's the problem. <laughs> that is an issue. It's like it's it's like a really, really good food, yeah. but you're never going to go. Right. Why do people not go? I don't understand. I don't know why people it's don't good. go to Popeye's. It's delicious. Have it's you ever the, been to the Popeye's in Rowlett? You've lived here eight years. Uh, once. Once in eight years. <laughs> and Chick-fil- How many times have you been to the Chick-fil-A? Way too many times, and it gives me anxiety every time. I cannot stand the Chick-fil-A line. No, but um, even though it goes so fast, it just freaks me out yep. to go, like, I'm in a parking lot of 4,700 cars trying to get their Chick-fil-A But sauce. drive by Popeye's, there's not a car in the drive <laughs> That's true. That's where I'm going tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump on into this, guys. Yeah, um, now – kind of the form of this podcast that at least we're going to do for wa- walking through our Roman series um, when in Rome, right? Um, we're going to add a when guest. In Rome. <laughs> we need a, we need like a bump. It's a drop. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to have a guest with us joining us each week. Um, now that it, you know, it could fluctuate who's all here. I am more excited for this guest than any guest we've ever had on our podcast. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> We do have an excellent guest. Um, <laughs> Top notch. Un- unquestionably. Number one podcast listen, guest we've ever you know had. Listen, you know how we rate quarterbacks? This is, without a doubt, the number one Collins in the world. The, yeah, you're not wrong. It exists. In, in uh, the world. In, in the, the world. world. In the world. Uh, Sorry, fi- Jim. See or Phil. Phil. <laughs> Phil's out of here. Nice. Um, I think she has more Grammys than Phil Collins, too. I'm pretty yep. sure, yep. Um, at the very least. Uh, and it is the one, the only, none other than the one Crystal Collins. I am so honored to be here. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. Did thank you enjoy you. sitting through our intro? Uh, it was riveting. Did you have any comments? I can tell you, I'm hoping everyone is still listening. <laughs> yeah, they gave up a long time ago. 
All right, so we're going to be in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. We're going to talk about this a little bit. Now, of course, if you want the super in-depth version of this, come on Wednesday nights, yeah. 6.30. We have multiple studies. One of them is our study in Romans. Um, Wes, you want to go and read the text for us? I will. Um, in Romans chapter 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and was appointed to be powerful, the powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome loved by God, called as saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his son that I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation, to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Boom. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just, it is, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> That's good stuff. Yep. Um, I do kind of want to, if we could, take a couple minutes just kind of talk about the context of the letter. Um, it's important to know who's writing it. It's also important to know who the letter is written to. Um, any guesses on where the letter is written to? Church at Rome. Rome. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah, well done. Win yeah. in Rome. Nailed it. Nailed it. They're there. Man, you guys are all extra points. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Um, I was kind of doing a deep dive in study for this class and this podcast and just kind of thinking. Um, it's interesting because you're like, okay, what's what's the purpose of the letter? And if you look at the whole letter as a whole, you, you see that Paul is really trying to get at to the unity of the church and trying to to bring this church together and it kind of I was like well what's the separation what's the issue well this is where my my history brain gets to come into to the the flow of things so the uh the Roman emperor Claudius if you guys know about the Roman emperor Claudius uh it might be your favorite emperor I don't know like you know everybody's got a favorite Roman emperor um (laughs) the Roman emperor Claudius he actually during um somewhere around the 50s uh in early like late 40s early 50s not the 1940s yeah, not the 1950s like the, the 40s like him and elvis were rolling yeah. around together <laughs> no no like the 40s or the 50s like just just that just the 40s <laughs> just the there's 40s. no other numbers no yeah he actually kicked out all of the jews from rome so he like removed the jews now why is that a big deal well it's a big deal because in rome there had begin, uh, begun a church there that had both Jews and Gentiles. Now, all of a sudden, all the Jews are kicked out, and all that's left there is a Gentile church. And so over the years, um, Claudius left. He became uh, He's probably assassinated or something, didn't dive that far into the history. If he's 
Roman emperor. He's probably assassinated. Uh, and a guy came to power named Nero. Now, a lot of us, if bad you know your history, dun, dun, he's not good. Uh, if you know your history, dude. bad guy. However, he's Darth Vader of the ancient <laughs> world. However, initially, Nero was kind of a like not too bad to the Christians. Like he was like he allowed the the Jews to come back to Rome. They came back to Rome, and in this early years of the the Nero rule, um, this church was reunified in Rome. And so Paul is writing during this period of time, <laughs> during his third missionary journey to the church at Rome, and he's writing to these people, trying to create unity because. I don't know about, like, uh, here's the way I kind of thought about it. Like, if if for some reason, like, the the go- state governor, like, kicked out all of the men and, like, out of the state of Texas and just left it to the women said, all these men need to get out of here. And then, like, the church was still going to function here with just the women in, in charge. Crystal getting excited about that. Like, I didn't say anything. I mean, she, I can see it on her face. People can't, but, you know. Uh, it was just like a woman church, and then all of a sudden, all the men come back. There's going to be some tension because there used to be a way that things were done, and now they're not done that way. So the Jewish people were experiencing this, and the Gentiles were experiencing this because the Gentiles were leading this church, and the Jews left, and all of a sudden, they didn't feel the pressure to circumcise. They didn't feel the pressure to eat kosher. They didn't feel the pressure to, to observe the Sabbath, and now all these Jews have come back, and there's all this tension about because now the Jews are like well this isn't how we used to do things and so there's this tension within the church and that's I think a lot of what Paul is speaking to in this letter Um, so we see uh, in verse 1 and I mean that's all I have on the context of the letter I don't know if anybody has no that's good yeah Um, if we see in verse by the way the the niceness of Nero did not last no it yeah if you're curious like he's familiar with the Neronian persecutions he's more more familiar with burning Christians as like lamps sewing them up in animals you know in animal skins and feeding them to other animals we could do we could do a murder podcast on it was was not nice it was was not good bad guy generally I would say that's safe to say but initially you know not so bad so if there's a lesson there just because somebody's nice to you up, up front Never mind. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's the application. <laughs> <laughs> they may murder you. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting. Everyone who's nice to you is going to murder yep, you. Yep, that's what that uh, means. I mean, I think that's a good way to just view everybody. Uh, and then <laughs> are people still you, listening? There's no way. That may be the incorrect hermeneutic applied. So. Well, I don't know if there's hermeneutics applied that's to right. imp- Roman, em- Roman emperors. Anyway, right. point is, first verse, um, I found something here that I thought was cool. The first word. What's the first word there? Paul. 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 Yeah. <laughs> we all have the same translation. Question. Good job. Absolutely. First word there is Paul. Now, it's interesting, Jason, because his name is Paul here, but it's also another thing, right? Well, we also know him as Saul. Yeah. But I think a lot of believers, and we talked about this in the class last week, I, I think a lot of people have a certain like, ignorance to Paul's name. They think it's like... Jacob, or they think it's like Abraham, or Abram that gets his name changed to Abraham, or Jacob who gets his name changed to Israel when they have these moments with God. But that wasn't the case with with Paul here, right? No, no, not at all. Um, Paul's an interesting character because he also, where he grew up, I mean, in in Scripture, he's unique because, like, you've got, he's he's like a college-educated guy. I mean, he's trained uh, under Gamaliel is what we'll find out in Scripture about Paul. So, like, he's a very educated guy. But he also grew up in an area where he was going to have both— um, 
Gentile and like Roman customs mm-hmm. that were taught to him on a regular basis, which is one of the interesting things about him. Like he's he's kind of from childhood preparing for this ministry God's going to call him to, but he didn't know that yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like his names are applied differently because of the culture. Yeah. Um, so like whenever he was a Pharisee, he wouldn't be caught dead going by Paul, right? Right. Like there's no way because he's a, he's a Pharisee. If you don't know about Paul, he used to persecute the church, did all these horrible things. And when, at that time he was going by Saul because he was really embracing his Jewish heritage and his Jewish name. But God had a unique ministry for Paul. God had a unique ministry for Saul, and it, it was a ministry to the Gentiles. Yeah. And uh, Paul, who was a Gentile, uh, or wasn't a Gentile, but he had, you know, he had Roman citizenship. Paul of, Sar- of Tarsus, um, like, had this this Gentile heritage that he could also lean into. And I think it's super interesting, um, and I, I think we could find some application here for the folks listening, of uh, that... Paul, who certainly loved his Jewish heritage, was willing to empty himself of that heritage for the sake of reaching those who might not be reached by a man named Saul. Yeah, I mean, this is where, like, it, that helps bring to life when he's saying things later on, when he's saying, like, I will become all things to all people. Yeah. Like, he, he literally did. Like, he, he became, um, you know... It, he took on different characteristics and was willing to empty himself of self in order to reach more people for the gospel instead of advancing his own name and his kind of his own like fame and glory. And it, it's such a picture. I mean, you, you know, you talk about what he wrote in Philippians 2 about how Jesus emptied himself. Like Paul here is demonstrating a, a deep amount of selflessness, honestly giving an example to a church that needs to die to itself. Um, and that's kind of where I want to like focus here for a little bit. Um, and Wes, maybe you can even speak to this about the uh, the idea of, like, what are we willing to, to let go of for the sake of reaching the lost? Yeah, I think I see so much of this in the first word in Paul, but also he's going to describe himself as a servant. Yeah. And I think that, like, we should ask that question about us. Like, what do we identify as first? Like, is, am I a husband or a pastor or um, a parent or what it like because Paul's first identity that he is going to declare here is that he's a servant of Christ mm. which means everything else pales in comparison yeah. to that that is his primary um, it's kind of his primary calling and it should be ours yeah so that means giving up things sometimes that we love like football and um, different <laughs> sports. Why do you have to start there? <laughs> man, I'm just being honest. Yeah, but, but like today when people come up and, and, and introduce each other, we start with our name and our yeah. occupation and yep. all these things that are about us. But if you read verses 1 through 7, like Paul doesn't use any of that language. He could right. have said, I'm a Roman citizen. I was a former member of the, San, you know, I, I, was, I was moving up the way in the Sanhedrin. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Yep. I was highly educated. I was this, I was this, I was this, I was this, and, and none. And you would think of all the books, and I know we got a, a little bit of this in a minute, but like Romans is theologically like it's the most yeah. dense book in scripture. And yep. yet what you find here from Paul is he doesn't lead off talking about him. Yeah. He's everything's leaning into the gospel. Everything's leaning into a servant's heart. Um, because when we put us first conflict comes yeah. um, and he's, he's trying to get past conflict. He's trying to create unity. 
and the unity is going to come from Christ. It's not going to come from Paul. And so in this endeavor towards unity, he's going to like go, hey, let's let's focus on what really matters. I mean, that, that's what you get, you know, uh, in Scripture where it says, you know, like uh, uh, James who says, uh, the reason there's fights and quarrels among you is you kill and you covet because you have and you do not want. Mm-hmm. In other words, there is a selfishness. You know, Paul also says, you know, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. So you get like when self comes first, if I want to be first in line and Wes wants to be first in line, then there is a natural tendency towards conflict and tension. Yep. Um, and so emptying yourself of self is a great way to come to unity. Like Crystal and I are obviously married. I've lucked into marrying those beautiful women in the world. But if we are both going after, like, it's got to be my way, what, it, what happens? There's conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Because who's wrong? I mean, you are. we all know. <laughs> I don't even think it needs to be said. No, but Everybody the truth knows. is, if we're going to get along, we have to, we have to not, like, it's not about we what I. We need to be I, unified. Yeah, we need to be unified. And that's why Paul, I think, is like, he's not going lean, lean into who I am. He's yeah. like leaning in who Jesus well, is. Well, it's beautiful. Because, yeah. like, he talks about even, he's like, I, he says he's a servant of Christ, which to your point, he says that. And then he says called to be an apostle. Um, and I think a lot of times, potentially, I mean, even in ministry, like I find myself like, well, like I'm a pastor, then I'm like a servant, of, then I'm a servant of Christ. Or like I'm a, I'm like, I lead this ministry and then I serve Jesus. But like if Jesus wanted me to do something else, like yeah. that's my primary calling. Yeah, it's more like uh, Jason, a servant of Christ, and I do whatever he tells me to. Because yeah. that's what, that servants do not dictate terms. Yeah, well, he sets I mean, the servant up above the apostle. Sorry. Yeah, and I think the reason, part of the reason he may do this is like part of the background you were talking about is you have t- these two groups that have an agenda. Mm-hmm. But both of them have deep respect for Paul yeah. for different reasons, right? Because of his Jewish background and his knowledge of the Gentile culture. So like he's going, here's how to enter into this. So I don't think that's lost on them where he's where they're going, this guy that we have a deep respect and admiration for, the first thing that he's going to say about himself is that he's a servant. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, uh, and I kind of mentioned this to the group. I was like, hey, if you're reading through Romans, listening for how other people might, should feel convicted, you're doing it wrong. Um, Like you need to read Romans with the mindset of I've got something to learn here. Um, and I've got something to grow here because the 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 Gentile and the Jewish Christians in Rome they could have listened to this letter and read this letter and thought to themselves, yeah, these other people they mess up. And as we go through the book, it's going to start off hammering in on the Gentiles, and you could see that you could feel the Jewish people like, yeah, those Gentiles are the worst. And then he goes in on the to the Jews, and he's like, yeah, and you guys stink because you guys do all these things. And really, the point of Romans, I would say to some extent, is to unify all of us to where, as Jason said Sunday, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. Yep. Um, there's nobody above anyone else. So, Very cool. So yeah. that's kind of a little glimpse into the introduction yeah. of this, kind of one through seven, um, where Paul is kind of laying out who he is in Christ and um, all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. So let's let's move on into into the next verses. Yeah. Uh, when you get into verse eight, um, JD, you were just in case anybody listening doesn't know this. So you know, we split up on Wednesday nights. We all teach different classes. Um, Wes, what were you teaching Wednesday night? I was teaching an equipped discipleship, which covers what? Just like how to get into a connect group, um, how like Christian community, how to love one another, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's literally what we talked about. And how to love one another. Perfect. I was teaching an equipped Bible, which is like understanding how to study your Bible, how to understand and access the scripture. And we kind of went through the story of the Old Testament. So we covered like 2,000 years of human history in 90 minutes. So it was 
pretty quick. Um, and then, Crystal, I know you were all over. What other Bible studies do we have going on Wednesday nights? Yeah, we have women's Bible study where we're going to be um, diving into Philippians. And then we have our men's Bible study also going on where they're just kind of looking at the heart of a man. Yep. Yeah. Is that all of them? That's all of them, right? Then we have Awana Student Awana's Ministry. Awana Student Ministry. Yep. Yeah. All kinds of cool stuff. So there's your commercial break. Y'all there come you go. On. Y'all come on to Wednesday. Um, <laughs> so first, sponsored the by study. sponsored by Popeyes. <laughs> when in Rome. Um, Spicy chicken. That's going to last all season. Uh, so the next If we section, keep talking about it, somebody's going to bring Popeye spicy chicken awesome. sandwiches. Up That's the goal. Lord, let it be. Uh, <laughs> the next section starts off with this. And again, uh, we might not make it past the first little statement here because I think there's so much wrapped in, up in this. It says, first, I thank my God. And maybe we just stop there. Uh, I think a lot of believers, <clears throat> myself included, um, have such... Like we've, we lack a, a heart of gratitude. Um, and here Paul's about to write this letter that's just ripping up <laughs> these, these believers and writing some serious theology and all this stuff. And he's like, but first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being proclaimed in all the world. And I'm just like, he writes this letter in all of Paul's letters. He talks about Thanksgiving, talks about grace and mercy and peace and all these things. But Thanksgiving is, is in all of his greetings. Like, this guy is, is demonstrating a heart of thankfulness. Um, and I don't think that should be missed on it. I don't think we should miss that. Um, the importance of having a thankful heart. What if you woke up in the morning and you, the first thing you did, you said, first, I thank my God. Yeah. I mean, th- thankfulness is kind of the, the anecdote to comparison mm-hmm. and the fuel for contentment, right? So, like, if you're not thankful, you're not going to be content. And we live in a world where we're constantly being fed the message of you're lacking something, you're lacking something, you're lacking something. If you're hungry, it's because you haven't eaten this particular burger and fries and drink. And if you if you think your house is nice, but you could have this house, and you think your car is nice, but what if you upgraded to this? I mean, shoot, when you look at, like, wireless service, streaming services, like, upgrade, go to the plus, the plus, the plus. It's always like you don't have enough, you don't have enough, you don't have enough. And so because of that, we're not thankful for what we have, and we live in this place of discontent. Mm-hmm. And so Paul is going, I-, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. And so he's going to go, I'm going to start from a place of enough. Yeah. And if if I'm anchored to that, then that's enough, and I don't need anything else in order for me to be content, yeah. which is going to be kind of a recurring theme in Paul's letters, um, is that he has learned to be content with having Christ in his life. Yeah, I think in a world where, and at this table, but in our church and around the world that struggles with our thoughts and struggles with things like depression and negativity, like there are there's clear evidence in scripture, but also in psychology and in other studies that like gratitude fuels um, fulfillment and yeah. like you said, contentment. So I would just say like, if there's any like practical step, like finding things to be grateful for every day, um, when we wake up, when we go to bed, after a hard day, or if we're looking towards a really difficult day to go, here are the three or four things that I'm really grateful for. I think we would see a difference in our mentality. We would see a difference in our joy and really our witness because mm-hmm. we live in such a world that's not grateful that when Christians walked around as grateful people, people would look at us and go, man, they're different. And yeah. what makes them different? And that's our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I think it ties into the, to verse seven too. I know there's a break there, but like, and we, we passed verse seven, but we're talking about thankfulness, but also it talks about Paul saying in his greeting, cause he's talking about, I'm thankful for you, but he also says grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And again, this past week, just in the thanksgiving and the gratitude, and you're thinking about this, you're like, man, maybe I feel like I got nothing to be thankful for. Like maybe you truly, honestly feel that way. Um, I would urge you to, to look at the cross. And he, he talks about, in verse 7, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And every time Paul writes a letter, he always says grace, then peace. Grace, then peace. Every single you go look it up. Like everyone, there's grace before there's peace. And I just I wonder if there's a convicting thought here for some of us. Maybe we're chasing after the peace of God before we, we chase after the grace of God. Um, maybe we're trying to find this peace, and we're just striving, and we're just trying to find it. Um, but there's no leaning into the grace, no leaning into the cross. And if we want to have thankful attitudes, Paul's a guy that leaned into the grace before he found the peace. Um, and that's where this thankful attitude comes. And we're not just out here like telling you guys, if you're driving in your car, listening, like, hey, be better at being thankful. Like, do better. You know, like, have a thankful heart. Maybe some of us need to be reminded of the fact that we were once condemned, separated from, from God. And he's going to talk about this in Romans when he says, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of the God, um, and the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Maybe some of us need to re- be reminded about that free gift that is eternal life yeah. and lean into the grace before we're finding the peace. Well, and I think understanding what that peace really is. Because I think so often we have think of peace as, uh, like that, you know, moment. Of Zen. Just, yes, yeah. and that's not it. When we have peace in God, that we have God. That's like Jason was saying, we have enough. We can go through the chaos and the troubles and everything like that, but we have God with mm-hmm. us. And so we have that peace because we know who that's in. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we see peace as the absence of chaos. Yeah. And I think it's the fully reliant and faithful and trusting in God in the middle of the chaos. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder if, like, Peter, whenever he's walking on water, like, if he was at peace in that right. moment. Yeah. Like, he's surrounded by chaos, but his focus is on Christ. He's found peace there. Um, but, you know, that's where the, the thanksgiving comes in because you've yep. been saved from that. You've been plucked from the waves. Um, we ought to have a thankful attitude, church. Yeah. So, Wes, let me ask you a, uh, a question. Yay. <laughs> if, uh, if I, um, in your youth, when you, you know, play football and stuff, if I had come up to you and said, you're an amazing football player, or if Tom Landry had come up to you and said, you're an amazing football player, and we were both sincere, whose word carries more weight? There is no question Tom Landry's word carries more weight. And why? Football. Because he knows things about football. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> he's he a knows infinitely more about football than Jason Collins because that's, he's dedicated his life to it. That's, that's true. And so let me ask you, Crystal, if, if I came over to the house, you love, I mean, you, one of the things you love, you love to decorate our home. You love it to look, you know, beautiful. But if, if I came in to our house and it's like, hey, the house looks nice. Or if, um, I don't know, who's somebody that like decorates? And, oh, like Chip, Chip and, and Joanna, Joanna Gaines walked <laughs> in. Both yeah, if, if they go. walked in and they were like, your house is spectacular. Whose word carries more weight? Oh, Chip and Joanna. Why? Because it's Chip and Joanna, and okay. they know what they're talking about. I know this seems random, but there's a point that I'm getting to. I love verse 8 and 9. He says, he's going back to that thankful list. He goes, I thank God. Uh, I, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because yeah. the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, Whew. whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his son that I constantly mention you. <laughs> That's not Jason telling you you're good at football, that your house looks nice, right? This is, this is Paul affirmed by God as his witness 
to say there's stuff that you guys are getting right, and I'm thankful for you for it. And I mean, that's that's a pretty strong. Now they're not perfect. We're going to find that out plenty as we go through this letter. But Paul deeply loves these people. And he truly is thankful for them. Yeah, I think the thing you read a part that just like kind of floors me, the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. Yep. Before 24-hour news cycles, right. before television, yep. before all the things, yep. their faith was reported to all the world. And I thought, I'd just a convicting question for me, is how far has my faith been reported in my life? Yeah. Has it even made it to my home? Mm-hmm. Has it made it um, to my workplace? I sure hope so. Um, but um, has it made it to my community, to 7-Eleven, to Starbucks, those kind of yep. places? Like. Where's our faith taken us, and who knows about it? Yeah. 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 Are you trusting the gospel to, to how you live and speak in your life, or are you trusting it to Instagram? Yeah. Right? And I'm not saying that, that like social media is bad. I'm just saying the gospel was designed to be shared person to person in relationship. That's how it travels through all of Scripture. Yeah. And so, like, for them to have lived in such a way where, where Paul's going, man, I've heard about this around the world. And it's not, it's not like it's been forever. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So they've been active. Yeah, in a, in a dark place. Uh, one thing I was struck by uh, in verse 9, it says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, the gospel of his son. God is his witness, and there's a comma there. So, like, he's, he's saying, like, essentially, For God is my witness, that without ceasing I mention you. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the deal, and this is what was convicting to me, if maybe more than anything uh, in this chapter, weirdly, is that, you know, oftentimes I'll say I pray for people, um, but, but God is my witness, right? Like he knows if I'm praying to him or not. Yeah. Uh, like he, he's, he's aware and I can tell people, people can come to me with their, their frustrations or their, their, their issues and, uh, their, their sicknesses or illnesses or whatever. And I can say, Oh, I'm praying for you. Um, but God knows if I'm praying for them or not. Uh, and Paul here is demonstrating a level of prayer and honestly, a, a level of confidence in his prayer that I don't, that I can't honestly say that I have. There are times whenever I'm like, I may have the intention to pray and I may think, oh, I want to pray for that person, but do I actually pray for them? The reality is God knows whether, he knows everything and he knows certainly whether or not I'm talking to him and what I'm talking to them about. And I think it's fascinating here that Paul is saying to this church that he's never been to, that he's never met, that he's never seen, he's never experienced, he didn't plan it, he's never been there. And he's saying to this church, hey, I'm praying for you with God as my witness. I pray for you Mm. ceaselessly. Uh, And it kind of goes to the whole build the kingdom of God one relationship at a time. It's bigger than crossroads. And I begin to think about, like, do I earnestly pray for and care about the churches that aren't named crossroads? Yeah. Like, as God is my witness, am I praying for those folks? Yeah, we should, absolutely. I mean, and that's what, you, and the rest of that section, you just get to see the heart of Paul as kind of just like a pastor, yeah. like, mm-hmm. because he, he's, I mean, just because for time, we're, I, I want to move through this next section and get to my favorite verse in chapter one, <laughs> uh, and one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I but, bet I know what it is. <clears throat> yeah, you, oh, and it's coming. It's clearly verse 17, everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, but when you look at this, like Paul's, like, t- to your point, to a people that he's never been to. Yeah. He can't wait to get there. Yeah. Like he wants to see them. He wants to be with them. Uh, there's this deep abiding desire and longing to like be there, to do ministry alongside of them, um, to, to be a part of what's going on there. And I just, I love that. 
heart that he is he's grateful for them um and make and no mistake it's because it's challenging i think oh, it's because yeah. it's the that was the darkest place in the world it was the place with the most influence and he thinks to himself i, I described it as like he's like babe ruth calling his shot like mm. in the big moment saying like that's the the biggest baddest area let me go serve there yeah how many of us want to do that? Yeah, I mean, it's like this great mighty warrior yeah. uh, for God who's going like, um, take me to wherever the most dangerous battlefield is. Yeah. That's I want to serve there. That's what he's asking for. Love it. And I love that when you're reading it, you know he's sincere. Oh, absolutely. And there are things that I know I can say like to my kids or maybe to my husband or different people, and I pray that they always know I'm sincere with it. But I'm sure there's times that they doubt the sincerity behind it. Wait, um, what? Yep. <laughs> so... I love with Paul and all his writings, the sincerity behind it. So let's jump ahead to 116. There it is. Click 116. The 116 click. That's right. A shout out to Lecrae. Hope you're listening to the podcast. Lecrae, come on. <laughs> for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. That's yeah. verse 16. Man, that'd be legit if our podcast was sponsored by Popeyes and Click Ray. the 116 Click. That'd be amazing. Are they still a thing? I don't They are. They are in my life. Okay. I'm a big fan. Praise the Lord. Jason. Yeah. Why is this your favorite verse? Um, I, I mean, there's two reasons. One, I think we, we tend to, I mean, I said this on Sunday. I was like, why does it matter that we don't wear the masks? Why does it matter that we learn to stand up and be real and be honest and show who we are? Because there's going to come a time when God's going to ask you to do something that's not popular. God's going to ask you to stand for something that may not be culturally acceptable. Um, and and the world is going to tell you that's outdated. The world's going to tell you um, God's word is stupid. The, word's, the world's going to give you a million reasons to back down from truth. And it is people who can fully embrace the reality that this is God's word. It's not for, up for debate. It's not up for my reinterpretation. Um, it is uh, it is this reality of going like I'm not. Go- you're not going to make me feel ashamed mm-hmm. of the great gospel of grace that set me free from my chains. So I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It points out our sin. It declares us a sinner. It aims us at a savior, and it leads us to redemption. And you may not like that the Bible calls something sin, but it calls it sin so that you can recognize it and be led to salvation. And so I love it for that reason. I also love kind of going back to context of what J.D. was talking about at the beginning. He says for the Greek and then the Gentile. And and he's not, I don't think he's prioritizing these people. Um, It just came to the Jews first. Right, absolutely. And so he's going, this is a gospel for everybody. So our boldness, our, our unashamed uh, you know, approach to the gospel is for the benefit of the world. And, I mean, and, and of course, we're we're just a vehicle for this. I mean, it's it, G- God did this, Jesus did this. The Holy Spirit is the one that transforms. But for me, that's why it's. I just love the way it's written. Like, there's no frills in this. It's just straightforward. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. And I mean, you, you think about this. It talks about how like. It's for the it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who would believe. Um, there's a reality that there's people in each of our lives that need the gospel. It's I mean we all need the gospel, but there's people in each of our lives that if they were to pass right now, they would spend eternity separated from God. The gospel is not just for us to be hoarded up, to be to be treasured without sharing. Um, if we fail to preach the gospel where it's light 
in, you know, in this country where like we can share the gospel with anybody that we meet. We can talk to them about the gospel at any point. Uh, here Paul is talking to a group of folks that is trying to preach the gospel where it's dark, and he's saying, I'm not ashamed. I will come to you, and I will preach the gospel. Like, I'm happy to do that. I want to do that because it's the cure for cancer. I want to preach the gospel where it's dark to the people who will kill me if I preach the gospel to them. I want to preach the gospel because they will die if they don't have it. Um, there's a reality that, that I think we've forgotten. Um, a lot of us have in like, ah, the gospel is going to get there or it's going to, you know, I don't have to be involved in it. But I think Paul would say in that moment, if we're thinking we're not involved in gospel ministry, we are being ashamed of gospel ministry. It's the cure for cancer and everyone around us has cancer and needs the gospel. Now, it talks about Jew and to the Greek. I think there's a significance there too. It, this gospel, it started in the land where people had heard of God. Um, but just like, you know, Jesus said, uh, to Peter on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, the, the gates of hell are being overtaken by the gospel every day, being overtaken by the church every day. And so first to the Jew, God's not only going to save his people, but he's also going to save Satan's people, right? Like he's going to go to where it's dark. And I think that's such hope for all of us who, who are Gentiles, uh, that God didn't just see fit to save his people, but, but came after us as well. Yeah, so I was just thinking about the word power because, like, I feel like the world is just, like, just searching for power. Like, if you go on Instagram or Facebook, everybody's looking for, I need the power to change my, like, how I look Mm. or my friends or this or that. And I just thought, like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And thinking about Paul and, like, the radical transformation of his life where he watched the power of God just completely change him the way that we can display the power of God is through our story, through talking about what God has done for us, what Jesus did for us on the cross. So there's lots of people out there that think like, here's how you can change, or here's how like self-help is like a huge movement. But like the ultimate power that comes from God is through the story of the gospel that Mm -hmm. I once was a broken, awful, horrible sinner separated from God. And now because of God's love for me, his power has put, be in relationship with him and now I can live a life for him yeah so I don't know I just love that that's the power of God for salvation yeah it's the source that you need yep mm. and so often we're plugged into the wrong source I, I think uh maybe I mean I know we're kind of winding to a close I think it would be kind of cool just at the, just to close out this podcast if maybe Jason you can just kind of walk through what the gospel is and what the power is to save folks um yeah I mean so man there's, couple, there's so many thoughts going through my head right now. I'm going to try to edit uh, so that because I know we don't want to have a, a six day first uh, you know pilot podcast, but because yeah. we could we could honestly talk about this part of Romans uh, chapter one for a lot longer. So hopefully, um, first of all, just know that our desire in this is not that we covered every single um, theological, intellectual, uh, spiritual truth in it, but maybe it. Um, it starts a burning desire in your heart to dig in for yourself. Mm. You know, at our church, we always talk about, you know, like one of the things we want is for you to be a self-feeder. And so maybe this has ignited some things in you to go dig into the word of God. Um, man, the gospel is such a beautiful and and ultimately simple picture. And, but we don't ever want to take simple and, and, and try to equate that to insignificant. Mm. The gospel came to us at great cost. It might be free to you. And there, I think that's one of the things we get kind of wrong when we go, well, it's a free gift. It is a free gift. It's a free gift to us. Mm-hmm. It was expensive. It cost the Son of God. So um, 
the basics of this is this, is that we acknowledge that we are a sinner, Romans 3.23, which we'll get to here in a few weeks, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So every one of us acknowledges that we're a sinner, that we have failed, that we have gone our own way, that we have rejected God, that we have rebelled against him, his word, his truth, his everything. We saw it in the garden. It happened there. Uh, Genesis 3, uh, you get the fall of man. Genesis 3.15, you get the first representation of the gospel uh, that is going to be spelled out in Scripture. And then when you recognize that, the whole point of recognize that is, is not to bring you to a place of, place of condemnation. The Bible says uh, that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The whole idea is that that recognition of sin helps you realize your need for a Savior. So I acknowledge that I have a sin. I believe that there is a Savior and that his name is Jesus Christ. I'm going to confess to him that I am a sinner, that I cannot save myself, that like Crystal said a minute ago, seeking fulfillment in anything but Jesus will always come up short. They can be <clears throat> secondary things in our life, but they cannot fill the primary role for anything in our life. Like you can enjoy food, you can enjoy relationships, you can enjoy marriage, you can enjoy fun. Those are good things to enjoy, but they, if they're the focus of your life, they will always come up short. So admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus is God, came to earth, died for our sins, and raised from the dead, and that power of resurrection um, exists as a gift to us. We, and we, we uh, access that by confessing him as Lord and Savior. Specifically, the Bible says confess him as Lord, which doesn't simply mean I want you to save me. It means I want you to be the one who's guiding my life. I will follow you. I will do what you say. I will obey your word. You're the driver. You have the keys. I am along for the ride with you, not the other way around. And when we do that, it opens our life up to unbelievable blessing um, and salvation. But it also begins to, like Wes was saying, be a picture to the rest of the world. We talked about this Sunday. One of the biggest problems we run into in church today is the illusion of perfection, is the fakeness, the pretending, the masks we wear. And when the way we said it on Sunday is that when you wear your masks, you're not hiding your flaws. I can try to hide my flaws all day long. You guys still pick up on them, right? Crystal can try to hide her flaws. We still pick up on them. Wes, JD, it doesn't matter who it is. You're not hiding your flaws. You're hiding your testimony. And it is that testimony of what the gospel has done. And it's what lost people are looking for. They're walking into the church. And they're hoping to see a way out of the darkness they're in. And our testimony is a picture of that. So admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the solution. Confess him as Lord. And the Bible says you will be saved. Mm, that's good. Um, well, I think this is sufficient to, to wrap up uh, this first week of When in Rome podcast. Um, if you don't have plans on Wednesday night, certainly come and join us. Uh, aside from that, we will hopefully be back on this podcast every week for this semester. So um, anybody have anything else to say? Crystal, why don't you share some special thoughts to yeah, wrap up? Crystal. Oh. <laughs> she loves being put Thank on the spot. Thank you for allowing me to be your first guest to sit here amongst the teaching pastors here at Crossroads. <laughs> thank you. Crystal, you're the best. Yep. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, thank you. Hope Love. you guys got a lot from this. Love you, church. Yep. Love you guys. See you.